Happy podcasting day, gentlemen. It's uh, early showtime for us. Good morning. Good morning, good evening, and if I don't see you, good night. <laughs> I did that exactly. wrong, but it's from the Truman Close enough. Show. I'll, ta- I'll take it. That was There was no practice. I was off the cuff, so I'm allowed to, to get that wrong. Aye. Uh, gentlemen, uh, as you know, we were recording a day earlier than normal. Uh, one, because there's a Thursday night football game happening, and uh, I, I think we all have our multiple opinions about having our team play uh, four days uh, after their last game. Um, but at least yeah, they get some more it, rest on the backside of that, too. So I think I think we can all agree that it sucks. So, like, well... But so, you know what? Like having a Friday morning game makes it so much easier to watch. Well, I mean, it's it's <laughs> cool for us to get to watch that game or whatever. But like, it sucks for the team. So, like, if the Seahawks never played on Thursday night, do you think they're like, oh, cool? I just get more football like spread throughout the week, and this is a game I definitely will be able to watch. It's not going to get like blocked out because of regional because it's the only game on. It's like the, is would that be enough? I don't understand the question. Like, if, <laughs> if the Seahawks never played on Thursday night and it was always another team that played on Thursday night, oh, would I you see. still feel the same way? I feel... Oh, I, I love I watching Thursday night football. I, I just hate I when really it's us in it. Thursday night football except for Thanksgiving, honest. Maybe I'm just too old and traditional, but I don't think it's good for football long-term. I don't like... Every it's time not. You, like, it's definitely not. You get to visual, visually greedy things, actually, you're starting to the downfall, right? Right. You can be greedy. Businesses have to be greedy. Once you're visually greedy, it's a bad sign. I think it's there. There's a component of the fact that fans still watch Thursday night because we all love football. Like we will watch the worst teams play on primetime games because it's the only game on, and they know that. So we're we're just we're just a bunch of junkies. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, I just wish they did a little bit better job of like making sure teams weren't going from Sunday to Thursday. You know what I mean? Like, like if you got to work that you, out better somehow, if you played Thursday, if, if after your bye week, you always played on a Thursday night, I feel like they could make that work. And that yeah. would be, that would be really fair because one, as you're coming off a bye, you're not rushing from the last game. You don't have to worry about travel. You, 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 you have that kind of baked in like extra, extra break. I feel like that would be the most fair way to do it. The problem is that that means that you might have to give someone a, a bye week in like week, week three to get them on Thursday night in week four, which obviously right. would suck. But also like, you know, this whole thing of like every team playing on Thursday is still a relatively new addition. It used to just be there was some Thursday night games and it was no guarantee that every single team was going to be on one. So I'd, I was okay with that. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't have to be every single week. Well, I liked it at first, only in the sense that, yeah, when they started doing that and they put the crappy teams on, but they started doing when the CX were really good, so it wasn't us much. Yeah. But but I also, I mean, I don't know, man, it's it's just stupid. You can't, I mean, like, as it's been beat to death, you can't say you're for player safety, but then say, but now we're only going to give you this many days to recover. And we're going to make you play more games. Yeah, it's just... Like, I I would... I would wonder what our future football looks like because the 18 game schedule feels like it's on the horizon. Like 17 games is like I lo- like 17 as a prime number 
is cool. I like 17 as a, as a prime number. It's a cool jersey number. But for games played, it, it's so... It, it, it hurts me. Like, my sensibilities when it comes to, like, things fitting into a... 16 was so perfect. Obviously, that's old history. We're not going to go back. We're going to get to 18-game schedule in the future, definitely. Um, because... I don't think owners want to pay, you know, for players to practice and fund if they're not going to be able to make actual TV money, which is one of the reasons why they went to the 17 and probably will go to an 18-game schedule. Tony's saying too many. Um, I don't know if he's talking about too many games or too many Thursday night games, but it will be this interesting is, to see that jump because I think it's this is the first happen. season. The first season. This is the well, last week, season. It, it didn't feel like this to you, but to, this season feels. Kind of like it's too many games. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean yeah. Like the owners, the owners have they've, they've contradicted themselves even with by expanding the schedule because you know what? Like every week is an extra chance for injuries, and you're making some games unwatchable and so on. Right? I mean, everybody was praying the Rams to pick up Baker Mayfield because, and they did. But I wonder if there's actually a bit of a wink, wink behind the deals deal there because they have something like four out of the last five games on prime time and nobody wanted to watch primetime Wolford. So, but you put yeah. Baker Mayfield in there and all of a sudden it's a better, it's, it's a better business. Yeah. yeah but you know right. what? The... Uh, you know, now Kyler Murray's hurt. Who's going to want to watch Cardinals games with 36 year old Colt McCoy. No, I want to see Colt McCoy beat a Russell Wilson led team. I think it's only fair. That's what I want. Well, you have a we have a vested interest in the game, but nobody in Indianapolis does. No, definitely not. Uh, but that's... well, his name is Colt, so there could be something there with Indianapolis. Yeah, exactly. True. Weird coincidence. Uh, but we got to talk about what just happened. Uh, we obviously, I think, we're all what shocked. just happened. What just happened? Shocked with what happened on that last last game. Uh, the score made it look a lot closer than it really was, but. Um, that opening quarter, that opening half, like Seattle had so many chances to kind of like get back into it and make it really a game, but just their mistakes, their inability to get off the field, their offense, all the things, everything kind of went poorly except for maybe special teams. Uh, and it made it so this team just kind of bullied Seattle and Seattle just didn't have an answer. So it's kind of, I don't know what it was like when both of you were watching the game, but, uh, I kind of had a feeling that, you know what, if we can't make this, like, a one-point game at the half, we might not be able to be into it because Carolina, they, they were just not, they didn't look like they were tense or pressing or too hyped up. Like, they were perfectly in the moment, and I feel like Seattle was the complete opposite. Like, we, everyone was, like, walking on eggshells, hoping not to be the one to make a mistake. Like Sam Sam Darnold, like Sam Darnold, man. Sam Darnold. Like, I mean, no Sam Darnold didn't play great, but he didn't play terrible. He didn't. He didn't throw an intercept. We didn't force him into an interception. And we didn't, didn't force him into a fumble. He As threw we, the ball. Like he, like I feel we, like there was very little pressure on him all game as well. There was. I think we had a sack. Ah, sack. It was a bad, bad, bad game. And more than a bad game, I think there was a lot of bad symbology in it. I think there's a lot, like, I think there was, I think the game was pretty educational. Because it was the first game. Remember, we talked earlier, I, I talked about, like, 
Jesus, Tony was on my case because I was like, the football season's the Cuban Missile Crisis, and he's like, how is that true? And I'm like, <laughs> but now it's not because now it's now it's now it's not because now the Guns of August analogy is thrown out because now this is the first time where there's like an absolute defeat and none of the excuses are true. This isn't a weird game in Germany where we put a wrong, we kind of telegraphed our move by making the wrong person inactive, and this wasn't, you know. There's, there is no excuse this time. There's no excuse. This is the first time I actually got motivated because I was a little traumatized, and I have now watched the game four times. Whoa, four once times. In, four, once in real time, and then I watched the all 22 three times. All right, what's your take? And what, if you watched the game that many times, what were you going into <laughs> it looking for, and what what did you take out of it? Okay, so I've talked about this several times this season where, like, I I can't remember if I've said it on the podcast, but I've talked to Tony about it a couple times. I've talked to you guys about it a few times. I said, I don't get it. I've written messages. Like, I don't, I can't, I can't figure out if it's scheme. I can't figure out if it's players. I can't figure out what's going on. And I have the answer. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. Our front sevens suck. It's so um, bad. It's so bad. There and we didn't realize. And it's really bad because it's really bad because a lot of these are players. These aren't like they aren't like like veteran minimum players. Like there's players out there that are like we've paid pretty big money for. Like we wanted them. We we got we purposely like Puna Ford. It's not going to be on the team anymore because he's he gets Puna Ford. How much do you think Puna Ford makes them? A lot. Not he exactly. He makes six million a year. He yeah. makes six million a year, and I don't think he's a bad player. But what the thing is, here's and here's the double shot. We don't necessarily have like horrible players, but they might be. They might actually be our front seven might actually be really bad, except like two or three people. But then we put in like the three four. Okay, and it always takes a year and a half or two years or whatever to completely change your your personnel, right? But we're like even behind. I think we're behind the curve on it. Like we didn't. Nobody we brought in. We brought in some amazing rookies. There's no doubt about that, right? But we were switching from a four three to a three four. But like we got like two offensive tackles and a running back and some cornerbacks. Cornerbacks doesn't matter. Three, four, four, three. They're, they're doing the same thing, right? But we got some amazing stuff there. We have two great cornerbacks. And none of the players that were switching that matter. Like your three, four interior especially has to be different. You can kind of play around with the linebackers, the defensive line, but that's not as bad. But some of the linebackers need to have different jobs and different body types and different skill sets. And we didn't like we didn't do any of that. And then like so we don't have any of the right guys to play up seven, the front seven. Any Brooks, maybe Nawaz is just great as Edge, but mm, uh, I think Taylor needs to be out there more now that he's got his groove back and he can rush the quarterback. But he can only play passing situations. But we don't have it's, it's the scheme and the players because they didn't adjust at all, at all. They didn't bring in anybody new except for what's his name. Nawasu. I mean, oh, Al Woods. They brought back Al Woods. And then this game, this game, the bright idea was to do like the Red Bryant thing. They were going to put him out on the outside, bring back the 2011 like trick. 
like if like the, the the last desperate thing you could do is put your biggest dude and put him on the outside and hope that solidifies that hole there. Um, but then he went out in the first quarter, <laughs> yeah. and he's not going to play this week. So you're playing a three four. You refuse to adjust. You're trying to get your guys to play it right, but it's not that they can't. Puna Ford has no place with a three four. He's a really good four three pressure. You know. Not necessarily sack, but pressure guy. But you put him in the three four, and he's not big enough to play the interior dude. He's not fast enough to play the outside dude. He's just a dude now. He's just a guy. But you're trying to make him play three four, or or I mean, they let Collier play. Like, what is Collier going to do in a three four? He's not big enough to be the end. He's certainly not big enough to be the interior dude. But they put him in the interior. I mean, we don't have the dudes to play what we want to play. And, like, that's, to me, is a coaching mistake. Yeah, yeah like, it's weird. If you, it's weird. It, it does take two years to convert, but you didn't do your first-year conversion. You didn't pick up some giant big nose tackle. There was one I wanted. I forget his name now. Yeah, his uh, name was, was Jordan North. Davis. He yes, got drafted I wanted by the him. Eagles. I wanted him, and we didn't <laughs> take him. Um, like, there, there was, like, one ideal guy, but we didn't get him. And that's fine. Like, I love the dudes we got. But then why don't you just say, okay, we're going to play 4-3 for one more year because that's what we got instead of trying to fit the, the, the square peg into the round hole. So that's my – oh, and by the way, Geno Smith's shoulders hurt. And apparently that was on an injury list. I didn't see it, but he was apparently on an injury list. At some yeah, point he, he, he showed up really late on the injury report that he had. The and then if you list. watch the throwing motion, he's hurt. Like he can mm. that would his, that would explain a lot. Um, he's his shoulders hurt. It's actually hurt, hurt. Like well, he's injured. I can't believe you watched that game four four additional times uh, because and, it's been bothering me every week. I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. But so like, I finally decided, like, I'm going to figure it out. And well, as you soon as I it, but it doesn't seem like you got any clearer answers either. Oh, which I is... did. I mean, like, I wasn't sure. Like up to now, like I thought. It's, but it's 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 when you look from that eye and then like you watch it with no sound because it's the it's all twenty two, it's just like watching a horror film. It's just over and over and over. It's it's literally like watching a horror. You know when you're watching a horror film and like you're watching like the lady who's going to get killed next and she's like, oh, I should go over into that room over there and you're like, oh, don't go there. But then she goes there, right? It's the exact same thing. Like you're watching them line up and I'm like, don't line up there. But they line up there, and then like yeah. the ball gets run at them, like over and over again. Like don't don't do that. And then this last game, this isn't his fault. I mean, like sorry, I don't. No, sorry, it is his fault. But I don't want to like tear him down because I think he's actually developed pretty well this season. But Cody Barton on like five plays played the exact like wrong run fit. You can tell from the positioning of other people. You can't always tell the play call, right? You can't always tell, especially in the front seven, what's going on. But you can see from where like Brooks goes and where like the defensive line like shaded where he's supposed to go, his run fit. And he's like in the wrong gap. And then they run right through it and there goes another eight yard gain. You know what? That really doesn't make me feel much better with my Cody Barton hate. Um <laughs> But, he hasn't been doing that. He's actually, I mean, he's all right, I thought. But then, like, Jesus Christ. And then yeah. and then a couple of plays wasn't his fault. But, like, like again, like, Puna Ford doesn't take up a blocker. He doesn't take up a real blocker. And that's his job. And, like, a couple times, Cody Barton got blown up by, like, a garden tackle double team because they both got to the second level because they flattened Puna or they flattened one or the other, like, 
undersized interior dudes because Shelby Harris didn't play either. Yeah. And he's not playing this week again. He's not playing the day after tomorrow either. So it's no uh, Woods, no Harris. It's very disappointing. And I think we'll talk a lot about it a little bit more as we go through the no, show. Let's move on. But I'm already. Thanks. I, I think, I think. <laughs> Hearing you go through and rewatching this game and suffering through the horror film, it's like when you know something bad's going to happen and you can't turn away. That's really what this game was, um, and I think I think for the for the first time this season, this is a game that I feel like, man, we're just not into it. And like every team has had those games where you look at them like, wow, they just don't have it today. Well, the Seahawks have a disappointing showing that really set back their year. The defense can't stop anyone on the ground, and it's really the first time since week three that we've seen Geno look a little lost on the offense. Uh, with their playoff future still in doubt, we have one of their biggest games of the season on a short week for Thursday Night Football. With the short turnaround, can the Seahawks take advantage, or will the Niners just run all over that Seahawks run defense? This is a HawksCast.net podcast. And we're going to go to topic number one. And Ross, I'm going to let you start it off. And I want to know, does one bad week set back the idea of Gino as the answer at quarterback? Absolutely. No, I don't know. Um, no, let's just say no. Let's just say that's if it does. We're really, really messed up because we have all the, like, if Gino's not the answer, then really, um, our trade of Russell Wilson and what we got loses like two thirds level of its how amazing it is, right? If we end up being able to use Geno Smith long term, and plus we got all that stuff, we are genius, genii, genii, geniuses. Um, so I'm gonna say because I don't want to think so, and I'm gonna suffer that mental disease where what I want to be true is true. I'm gonna say no. But actually, I don't, I don't think so. Like I said, I think he's hurt. Um, I didn't think he was actually... I didn't think he was lost. I thought that he's what we've said he is. He, he's not... We're not simply pretending he's Russell Wilson is prime. What we're saying is, given certain situations, he can be efficient, and he runs the offense really, really well. But guess what? Part of the offense is having an effective running game. Wait, wait. But, are you saying that running the ball? Let me let me get my numbers here real quick. <laughs> running the ball eleven times isn't gonna do it. I mean, it might have to be a case in some cases because our offensive line, some of it's like the tackles, the rookie tackles have somewhat hit a hit a bit of a wall. I think they're not blocking as well, especially run blocking, and that's never been their forte anyway. That's going to be part of their development, right? And our center was always not going to be amazing. And we're on our fourth... Run, one, two, three, four. We're on our fourth string running back. Like, and, like... I, I think we're going way like, Running backs don't matter. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going past fourth matter. string. Well, see... What? Like, Penny's gone. Walker's gone. DJ. Uh, DJ's gone. So then Homer, but Homer's more like the passing guy. Yeah, Homer's your third and down then, back. And then Jones is one of the least efficient running backs of all time, but he's just safe, right? So he was okay to put on the roster, but he's not like a guy. So, I mean, it's not on. I mean, we never said, like, you, I mean, he's not making money to be like the guy, like, he's not Peyton Manning. We're not pretending he's Peyton Manning. He is, as they say, what we thought he is, and that's fine. But this is why I'm saying, like, 
we shouldn't be also considering him as like a massive franchise quarterback. You don't give him forty million because he's a guy who can have success as long as that's the whole point. He's a guy who can have success as long as the defense is doing decent <laughs> and that there's a running game. Then he's he's really good at running our offense. And so like the, he's like an intermediate quarterback. And that's what and that's fine. That's great. I've always wanted to run that kind of team. I've always said get rid of Russ, give me more money and draft picks to play around with, and let's build it a different way. And it should work. But that kind of assumes you're not running on the fourth you know, string running back who's missing his contacts or whatever, like, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I'm still in with Gino because I was I was never saying he was Peyton Manning, so I'm I'm fine with him. It's not, like I just gotta build the defense right. Gotta give him some help. Gotta give him some help, man. It's interesting that you say you gotta give him some help, but mostly we're talking about the defense and like, well because it's game. complimentary football Seahawks right. P. Carroll football is complimentary football the defense has everything to do with the offense and vice versa right right but that also means that if you're not relying solely on Gino to be your Peyton Manning and throw the ball I mean he threw the ball 36 times <laughs> well that's I mean that's that's just like a product of what we have like that's not you wouldn't want to do that all season long but if you go into one particular game where because like Walker's not done for the season he's he's hurt like he's coming back I think, and yeah, he, he's he's considered healthy as of today. Really? So he's playing Friday or Thursday for you guys? Uh, according to according to my fantasy, yes, he's considered healthy. No way! Oh, it's like really? Because I'm in the playoffs. I got I, if I, <laughs> that, that's going to help me a lot. <laughs> Holy cow! Yes, he is awesome. Great. So. Last game, we had to do that. This game, we don't have to do that anymore. Cool. Ken Walker's playing. That's going to help. I'm in two playoff pay leagues, so uh, that's going to help. <laughs> I'm glad I'm on both. Tony says don't rub <laughs> it in, but I'm pretty sure Tony has Kenneth Walker in the league that we're in together, in one of the two leagues that we're in together. So No, I don't think he oh, – oh, mate, he, does he have him in the – Yeah, he has him he's in the auction league. Tony, I hope you enjoy right, Kenneth well. Walker. Um Zeb, what about you? You you look at Gino, and you are more, much more in the in in the intermediary between Russ and I. We're more on the opposite spectrums about Gino long term. I think we're both very satisfied with him this year. But does one bad week set back or change your perception of what you think Gino could be for the rest of this year, but also for the future? No, no. I mean, just one one bad game and. And it, it has. I probably was the worst he'd looked all season. Um, it's not enough to change anything long term. But what worries me is that he looked this week how we kind of expected him to look because of how he has looked in the past this season. You know what I mean? So um, if it's just the one game and he comes out, I mean, obviously now that we get a Thursday game coming up, kind of all bets are off. But if he gets it together, no problem. But if it turns into a trend where he's just missing throws. Again, if he's hurt, then that's a whole nother deal. That's definitely not something that you can even consider affecting the long-term situation. But um, hopefully it was just a one-off, and we'll see the Geno that we've gotten used to this season um, going forward. You look at Geno, and I don't know if you knew that he was hurt or not, but did you say, like, you know what, something looks off, like... 
the yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I what I was. He just looked like he wasn't quite in sync. He was a little slow. Um, he like was, he had two interceptions in that game, and it's the first time all year that he's had two interceptions. Which I think for a lot of people, you'd be surprised if you're saying like this guy is like not gonna be like other quarterbacks have had two interception games. This is Geno's first, and it took place in Week 13. Yeah, week 13 yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, they, and they were both bad plays on on his behalf it wasn't like a tip or some you know something fluky this was him making bad throws or late throws um also i i did notice a couple times during the game that the defense seemed to kind of they kind of knew what we were going to do i saw uh they were able to cheat a lot i feel like yeah i saw defensive players i saw defensive players react to 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 audibles or changes on our side and it's like they knew exactly what we were changing to or what we were changing up yeah um i noticed that and i don't have that kind of eye typically so to me that means that means something um but yeah it was it was it was obviously not having a running game is detrimental and i think that mixed with the gino being hurt and just having a bad day with his arm you know it was kind of the perfect storm What what do you think about Gina still coming back, still playing, and scoring those touchdowns and making it, even though it didn't matter, it was still a one-score game. So you kind of, like, can save face a little bit and say, like, hey, you didn't get completely blown out, but it's still a one-score game. Does there is there any moral victories? Yeah, well, I mean, he wasn't here? awful. We've, we've seen worst-played QB games. In, uh, in See that lives. Denver Bronco quarterback last week, oh. right? God. And you know, I don't want to, I don't want to jump too far ahead because we're going to talk about this next. But Gino probably played good enough to win that game. We, if if we, if we had, if we had a mediocre defense, maybe we eke that one out. You know? Yeah, I I think that of all of us, I will always be the most rosy when it comes to Gino. I don't think Gina. This I, don't, I wouldn't consider this a good game because two interceptions, especially at critical times, especially where they happened, like throwing a ball expecting a flag. That's that's not the best way to play. Um, but <laughs> that was awful. That was so bad. It, no, like it looked like they were offsides, but you know the it fi- totally did. But you can't just you can't I throw a ball up expecting get expecting to get a flag like you can't you, play you, that way unless it's you have to see that flag yeah yeah uh the first interception i think i'm a little bit more gracious i think the defense the carolina defense credit to them they were just cheating all day and they came out ahead so many times so many times they jumped a route and that 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 first interception like that was a clear ball to Tyler Lockett but the guy that was supposed to be shadowing DK Metcalf just gave up on him and like intercepted the ball. Now Tyreek Woolen had a similar play earlier in the game where he basically abandoned his route and like almost got his own interception. But I'm hopeful that this is a game that again we can give a little bit to say like, hey, he's got no run support. He's a little bit hurt. I'm worried though that we're still going to have the same issue on Thursday night. So I hope it's not two weeks of bad, quote unquote, bad games for Gino. Because um, I was really confident that after that first interception, he was going to rebound and have another one of his five for five, 75 yard touchdown drives. Um, didn't happen, but I-, I feel like he's shown that he has that in him. So we're going to move ahead and we are going to talk a little bit more about uh, the woes of the Seahawks. So, topic number two, Zeb. 
Is the NFL having a run-focused rebirth, or are the Seahawks just bad and teams are just going to run all over us for the rest of the year? I think both of those things are actually true. I mean, I th- I think that we're particularly bad <laughs> right now at playing run defense, and these teams are like not even pretending not to notice. They're just running and running and running because it just works. It just works every time. They're getting first downs on second down. They're going forward on fourth down and running. They're running at you know at the goal line. They're not even. They're not even. It's it's just it's so obvious that it's going to work that they're just doing it time after time. Now I did see and hear that this the, the whole entire league has kind of been run heavy as of late. Um, and I, so I, and I and I'm seeing it in the games I'm watching, and that's cool. <laughs> like I like that. That's pretty badass, especially in an era where people are questioning whether we you should run at all or what the worth of it is. But um, clearly it works when you do it right, and especially when the defense you're running against can't seem to come up with anything to stop you. So it's frustrating, um, and I wish they would do something to uh, <laughs> to fix that. And I, I think, as Russ was talking about earlier, the transition to this new scheme is really ineffective against the run at this point based on the personnel that we have. So it's a problem and I don't see it getting fixed uh, during the season this year. Russ, you, you watched this game four times. You, you suffered and uh, went through the pain of watching that run defense four times in a row uh, or four times in general. Is this just something that teams are just going to take advantage of with Seattle, or do you, do you think that there is like a push because it's a longer season? Running does help your team get a little bit more rest, eat up time of possession, gives your defense a little bit of time. Do you think there it's it's a combination of both, or is it just like yeah, Seattle's a bad team, we we have to run the ball? So, like, who would you put in as a nose tackle? EJ Raji. <laughs> like there's like you I mean we've got a roster and we've got a taxi squad. And you can look up and down at right now and say, Who is my starting nose tackle this week that I think can stop the run against a team that likes to run? And one of the few times ever I've ever actually done that and said I looked at the roster and, and said like there's nobody. There's literally nobody who's going to be active this week. And if you do, like, if somehow he magically got healed, um, what's his name? I just forgot his name. Our big guy. Our big, big, big guy. Al Woods. If Al Woods is healthy, they're going to do the Red Bryant thing, right? When I say that, does everybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, so they, they're going to put Al Woods at 5-tech, right? Um, out there, like, off the tackle to control the edge. Cool. Um, literally, there's nothing in the middle. And our inside linebackers weigh 250 pounds. So, yes, the answer is every team the rest of the season is going to just run the ball on us again and again and again and again and again. Because, like, when you put Taylor out there, Jonathan Taylor out there, and it's a not an obvious 
passing situation, he gets swallowed up because of like how the three four works. He gets swallowed up, and then there's and they have like basically they put the tight end there as well. Like watch Kittle, this like it's gonna be so bad. Kittle is just going to like, own the edge this this on Friday, well Thursday, Thursday night, and they're just gonna run outside again and again and again, and then finally we're gonna pull in. Like our strong safety there, it's we're going to be in a box, but it depends on where it is. And so our eighth guy is going to come down, and Ryan Neal is going to control the edge finally, and then they're just going to run up the middle, um, in the in the A gap, in the B gap maybe, but mostly the A gap. And we've got shit to come. What I would do is go all the way back to 2010, 2011. I would actually run in a bandit on defense this week if you could. Just run a like, bunch of bunch of. Corners. I would put I would put six. I would put Brooks as the only linebacker. I would put four down linemen, and I would play six guys to fly around, and then hope they can get off the blocks. Because you're going to give up something still in the running game, but you're going to give up like a lot of five yard runs, not fifteen and eight and nine. And then run up a couple like free safeties as rovers around. I mean, I, I feel like that's our strength. We have some defense and legit like like and good guys in run support even. So I would run a like that's what you've got. Like that's all you've got. And but they're not going to do. It. You can't switch around this one one week. And the NFL is generally not that creative. There's too much inertia. They won't do it. But I feel like that's like legitimately the only way you could do. Because then you could line up. You can see where they double up their guys. Where's Kittle going to play? And then put an extra, like, safety over there. So when Kittle goes to make the double-team block, then you've got a guy behind there just waiting for that. Let them commit to their block, and then you've got one extra guy who can fly in there really, really fast. And that's why I want the defensive backs to doing that. Anyway, the question is, they're just going to run, man. They're just going to run. And why not? Because we don't even have a guy on the roster that can even stop it now. Sorry. Yeah, it's. I, I feel that. <laughs> Sorry, it, it it is kind of depressing going to this, and and I feel like I've talked about my concerns about the run defense like all season long. Like we had a stretch where teams that just don't run the ball, they opted not to run the ball, and but that was like a short short break. If you look at all the teams that have run the ball against Seattle, it's really really alarming. Like you're talking about. This is this is our rush defense. 103 yards, 189 yards, 179 yards, 145, 235, 144, 53, 78, 122, 161, 283, 171, and then 223 yards. We are giving up so much ground. And for someone who loves the Pete style of ball of control, run the ball, play good defense, like if we can have other teams just like run for two and four yards every single time. They're going to get into very manageable positions where they're not going to have to throw the ball. I think our secondary is doing quite well. I actually like our secondary a lot, but we don't have a good pass rush. So our secondary isn't really optimized. And because there is no threat that we're going to stuff your run, teams are just going to do it. Like the Panthers for their 223 yards, they had... Uh, they had six players run the ball and Sam Darnold ran the ball four times. And I, a few of those were, were, were not just scrambles that, that his longest play was a scramble, but that is a problem when 
anyone and everyone can run the ball. And if there's a team that's going to run with every single player they have on the roster, it's going to be San Francisco. And I think that's a problem. I'm really concerned about it. I'm not, I'm not hopeful for this game just because I think our run defense is such a big vulnerability. I don't know why, why a team wouldn't want to take advantage of that. I just don't see much hope. I don't. I literally. I go up and down the roster. I can't find another answer. I can't find who to plug in. I don't see a defensive tackle that can do it. I, I wish I was wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Well, I, I think that's a good segue for us to also talk about topic number three. So this is the Hawks Cast Corner, and Ross, I'm going to ask you: Do we need to switch from thinking about the playoffs to the draft? We have two first round picks currently. Uh, we're slotted for the second pick overall, which is the highest that's tied for the highest pick that Seattle's ever had. They've never had the number one pick. Um, but they're they're currently scheduled for the second pick overall, and then they would have the 17th pick if the record stands the same. So the second pick and the 17th pick. Should we even be and talking about the playoffs? Fourth pick. And then that's the 34th pick. And technically, it's a little bit higher because there's a forfeited pick in there. But yeah, it's still the second pick in in the second round. Is there a forfeited second round pick? No. So the, the, the Dolphins were tampering. So they lost right. their first round pick. So Oh, my God. That's awesome. So it's still so there. We have, but We have the, number two. We'll have 217. And technically, the 34th pick is actually the 33rd pick because there's a player that wasn't selected. Wow. I mean, I, I I've Ross, already been Ross doing, is like I drooling even, right I now. Really look at the draft <laughs> I don't normally look at anything in the draft until like February or March, but I've already been peaking. So like, yeah, I'm excited. But you can do both. I'm not quite, for all my pessimism about the defense, I'm not quite at the point where I've just given up on the season. We got a really, really brutal final stretch here. We could lose three or four easily we're playing like two teams are first in their whatever their division and we're playing uh the only good game we got come up is the rams like the one like you're just going okay we got that probably but they got baker mayfield now that's a little bit i mean it's not like he's a savior but he, he won him a game last week showed a little bit of life there um but we've got a brutal schedule coming up so uh, but I'm not I'm not giving up completely because oddly enough I've got a little bit of faith in Gino and uh, I've got a lot of faith in Kenneth Walker and even against the Panthers you know like it's they're actually a good team now and it's not like they blew us away it wasn't like we didn't show up it wasn't like anything like that there's a couple of weird plays there man like it's a weird beginning of the game we put ourselves in a hole um. But then we came all the way back. We're within three. I don't know, man. Like, I'm not willing to throw... In, I'm, I'm, I, I admit, I am looking at the draft. As I admit it, I'm looking. I already know there's only one defensive tackle that's worth having. So we have to have him. Um, so I want to trade back and I want to get another pick. Um, so I am thinking about it already. But at the same time, I'm not, like, giving up on this year. We have to win two out of four. But otherwise... I'm not going to really consider it like a, a, a great success. It's already a successful season in a sense, but I won't consider it a great success unless we can win two out of four, even if we miss the playoffs. 
We gotta pick up one of these. Can we beat San Francisco? Can we can we beat the Chiefs? We'll see. Okay. That's all, all right. I got. Zeb, what about you? Uh you know, we're we're not a big like college I don't think any of us like watch a lot of college ball, so it's not like any of us know, but I know we're all peaking Denver's scores. We're always watching to see how they're doing. Um, do you think that you are going to start looking at the draft a little bit more and think like, okay, well, who are the names that people are talking about? Who are the people that like the draft? Who are they projecting at that uh, pick for Seattle? Because at this point, um, Seattle's a lock for at worst. I think the worst they can get is like the fifth pick overall. Yeah, I mean, because of that, because of that pick from the Broncos, I definitely am keeping an eye on it and and listening to uh, what people are saying about who's going to be there and who we who we may or may not go after at that spot. Um, but I'm still I'm still focused on winning football games. I want to see this team win. I don't. I'm not expecting like a deep playoff run or anything like that, but. If we were to sneak into the wild card, that wouldn't surprise me. I think I think we have to remember that this team has been exceeding expectations this year and overachieving a bit. Um, and just just the fact that we still are in the potent, potentially in playoff contention right now is is more than most people thought would happen. So um, I want to win every game. <laughs> I really do. I wanted. I don't. The draft is fun. Um, but I'm never hoping that the team loses for a better draft position. I love hoping that the Broncos lose so we yes. have better draft position. That's fantastic. Um, and that's that's going to be something fun and exciting from here on out. But I'm still I'm still into the football. I'm still into the games. I still want to win. I still want to see this team perform well and improve even when things aren't looking so great at the moment. Um, and if we get gifted a playoff game, even better. That'll be awesome. Um, it's not my expectation at this point, but I'll still be rooting for it. So I'm. I guess I'm. I, I'm. I'm focused on football, but there's there's definitely sort of an overcasty interest in the draft. It's cloudy with a chance of playoffs. <laughs> um, Tony chiming in on the chat says it does not and why should it be any different in regards to focusing and switching from the playoffs to the draft. Birdfinger says I love Gino, but shouldering this team uh, with this defense is asking too much. Time to move on to the draft. And then Tony chiming in stupid Texans Coogan. Rest in peace, uh, Mike Leach. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if either of you watched that Houston game that had like first and Watched it all game, First and goal from, like, the third, and they couldn't punch the ball. I I thought they got the ball on second down, but they ruled him short. I don't know why. But then they tried to punch the ball in on a three-score game to seal it, and they they just got – just Dak just, like, marched down the field with them. So that was disappointing. But, again, we're not talking about, like – our team so it's a little bit different when you're actually looking for the broncos to suck so hard that they're going to get the number one pick i i am in agreement that i don't think you necessarily like switch because the thing that i'm enjoying at least about this season is it's a flawed team but it's fun there's a lot of things that they're doing as maddening as it is because it's the same thing again and again 
there are a lot of things that are still really fun. Like Tariq Wood is so fun to watch when when he makes a play on the ball. It's exciting because he's like that Richard Sherman where he's like he could intercept the ball so often if teams try to go at him and teams still have chosen that they don't want to, which I think is great. Gino's playing really well, uh, you know, this last game notwithstanding. The the tackles are doing well. I'm excited about them. There are a lot of things that are not exciting, but overall, there are more positives to look for for the future, and that means that they could build off of that. So if they can squeak out two more wins, they might be in playoff contention because a lot of the other teams are playing against uh, themselves. So the Giants and the Commanders, like they're probably going to knock one of themselves out. The 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 Cowboys are locked in for a playoff spot because they're not going to catch Philadelphia. So it's really fighting between of all teams, uh, the Green, uh, the the Detroit Lions, the Commanders, the Giants, and the Seahawks. They're fighting for those last two spots. So I think that's pretty crazy to think about this late in the year. So I don't think it's time to switch yet. But if you're peaking the draft order, it's not a bad place to 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 go. But fun on both ends. On both sides, you could say. Exactly. Both there sides. Uh, all right. Well, let's go to the final topic of the night. It is the San Francisco 49ers. And, Zeb, I need to know if the Niners can succeed with their stir- third string running back, is our, person- is our personnel working? Uh, Ross earlier talked about it and said, like, he looks at that defense and there's no one on the team that's going to make them better. There's no one that we're just like hiding in the wings. But the Niners, they're not losing a beat offensively. They're, they went from Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo, who, again, is a very, very good starting quarterback. But now they bring in Mr. Irreverent, and he's throwing up touchdowns. He's putting up better performance than Tom Brady. Is our personnel yeah. working? If that's if, if, if that's what San Francisco can do, if that's what other... If, if that's what Carolina can do, if Carolina could run in all these running backs that are not Christian McCaffrey, do do Seattle fans and the Seattle as a franchise need to think about what they're doing? Well, I mean, I think that, yeah, I mean, I think we're in a little bit of trouble here. Um, but also, look what that 49ers team just did. Now, obviously... Brady is having not the most Brady-esque year of his career and things, you know, he might be sunsetting on him a little bit, but I mean, they didn't stand a chance on Sunday against the 49ers. It was, they just completely clobbered them. And that's with their third or arguably fourth string quarterback. (laughs) Like just, it seems like this, this 49ers team based on what I've seen, if they could have stayed completely healthy this year with whoever their best-case scenario at quarterback is, this team is really, really good. I think, I honestly think they they are probably, um, they're probably going to end up in the NFC Championship game. And look at all they've had to deal with, with injuries at the quarterback particularly. That defense is just, just good, fast, um, mean discipline and they just it just even despite everything it just seems to work and so i 
you know, I you know me, and I'm optimistic, and I'm always going to pick the Seahawks to win. But I, I have a really bad feeling about how ugly this game could be on Thursday. It was thirty-five to nothing before. Yeah, the Bucks scored, and, and we lost to Sam Darnold. And the the Niners are on a six-game winning streak. Um, Ross. You look at the Niners, you look at their roster construction, and you say, like, yeah, man, is that something Seattle should be looking at? Is that something Seattle should be coveting? Um, no. Ooh, simple. We're, we're, I mean, I mean, there's, there's cycles. There's sick. There's, there, nothing has changed from what we said last offseason, right? Like, for 10 years, we drafted last or near last every year. Every round, every year for 10, well, 10 years, we were 25th, 26th. So guess what happens? You have less talent, like statistically. Like they had seven picks. Every other team had seven picks higher than you before you for 10 years. And then you get rid of your starting quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, like, cool. You know what? Like, wow, they're, 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 they're so awesome this year. And they are. They're pretty damn cool. Um, but they didn't do it for 10 years either. They, they didn't do that. They didn't do what we did for 10 years. So yeah, if it takes, look at our draft class. I mean, do we, we're not behind them except for the fact that we're in a different place in our cycle and their down cycle, by the way, was for how many years and something, you know, plus they have a cursed locker room where like, if you play running back and you go. Even worse than us. If you play running back and you play for the 49ers, you can't be healthy for more than three weeks in a row. Um, and you can't stay healthy as a quarterback. I mean, like, we're talking about what they might do and could do and should do, but I don't know, man. What have they done? What have they actually done And for 10 years? I don't, um, I don't envy them. I think they're having a good year. I don't want to like sound like sour grapes. They're, they're having a great year. It's awesome. It's cool. It's really, really cool. To see Purdy go in there and then not lose a beat. I think that's cool. I love that. Um, but no, I don't think they're coached better than us. I don't think they're better than us. I don't think their sister is best. I know their sister's not better than us because they've never been able to keep it consistent for a year after, year after year after year after year after year after year like we have. They've got some talent because guess what? What, what was their draft pick when they got to pick up Bosa? What was their draft st- status like when they picked up Devo? Yeah, because you guys sucked. So you got some more talent. Congratulations. That's how it's designed to work. Um, but you know what? After we did all that, we're all not that far behind you. And we were supposed to be way behind you. So, nah. Um, congratulations to them. I'm happy for them. I'd rather have them have a good year than the Cardinals. I, that's the franchise I really detest. <laughs> um, and so, you know, congrats to them. Enjoy it while you're there because next year we're coming for you. Um, and that's all I got to say about them. Like, good luck to them. And by the way, Purdy may not play this week. He got to start one game, and he's hurt so bad that he's coming down to what's possibly a game time decision. And if he doesn't play, guess who we're playing against? It's Josh Johnson. Yeah, that dude who played for Tampa Bay in the 2000s, early 2000s. That dude's still in the league. Well, um, I he mean, may play. <laughs> I mean, if they just run the ball 50 times, it doesn't. I don't think it'll matter who's taking the snaps. Um I don't think Christian McCaffrey, I'm saying it, I don't think Christian McCaffrey's all that. He's one of those things where you can say, like, 
not that running backs don't matter, but statistics can sort of lie. He's you. He's he's like a one man dude, so you get to do everything through him. But I don't know if it ends up being actually being any more efficient than if you just had like a good tight end and a good running back, both. You know what I mean? Like, like Carolina got how much better when he left? Like they started winning. Yeah. If he was so amazing and they got rid of their best player, why didn't the running back fly out? You know, why didn't everything just fall apart? But there's no difference. He's, I don't think he's a difference maker. Actually, I think he's like a. It's a cool piece to look at because he can. You know, he's a good running back, and he's a good catcher. Cool, but you know what? Like you can get two guys that can do that job, right? Um, so it's just amazing that he can do both, right? But in baseball, that matters. If you can get what's his name down, or whatever the pitcher dude who also hits all the home runs, that's great. But if it's just a guy in your roster, it doesn't really seem to matter. Like, fine. I mean, I don't know. I'm just babbling at this point, but we're gonna win. Right. I think we're going to win because right. I don't think – I think I think here's where Tariq Woolen actually comes in. Purdy, they are they, – you know, they're going to run the ball a lot, but they are going to have to throw at least a few times. And I, it's being that rookie quarterback, and we've got our dude who's, like, really good at beating. I really do feel like we're going to intercept uh, a ball or two, steal a possession or two, and that – and the, the game's going to be close anyway, and with Kenneth Walker back especially – so I think we've actually got a chance to steal this game. Cool. Uh, just to give a little bit of insight. So from 2016, 17, 18, and 19, the Niners drafted in the top 10. It was actually the top seven or top nine, four years in a row. Then they had the 14th pick, and then they traded up for the number three pick to get Trey Lance. So they have so, definitely yeah. been drafting. and they have a lot of high picks. I mean, you have to go back to when the Seattle Niner rivalry was in its heyday was only the, the last times that they were really drafting in the back half along with Seattle consistently. So thank you for the actual numbers, but yeah, but yeah, I think, I think that is, I think that's something that is hard as a fan though, to kind of look at because you're looking always at what is the performance? Not so much as like, how did you get there? Like the Niners, don't have a lot of draft capital moving forward. So while they're living on the success of like Nick Bosa and Adebo, Debo's gotten hurt. Like I, I've said this, I'm not a Debo believer. He can't stay Me healthy. Either. He's had one year, which he was it was an amazing all pro year. But DK Metcalf plays every game. DK Metcalf everyone said he was gonna miss two to four weeks. He's back on the field. He's catching touchdowns. He's got great rapport with Geno Smith. You know, A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, you know, he's doing pretty good in uh, Philadelphia right now. So another guy from that same draft class that I think is better than Debo Samuel because if you're available, you can make an impact. If you're going to get hurt, whether it's freak injury or just whatever, that's a problem. So I think it's easier for us to look at San Francisco and say like, oh man, this is a team that everyone thought was going to challenge the Rams for the division. And the fact that they're doing it with major injuries at running back, trading for Kat McCaffrey, major injuries at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, credit credit to Shanahan for having a great defense and, you know, taking advantage and still being an offensive genius to, to make it work and make Brock Purdy work. But we've also said, you know, it only takes a few weeks for teams to figure out how to stop your guy. And 
if Brock Purdy plays this week, maybe Tariq Woolen does bait him. Uh, maybe Kobe Bryant punches the ball out. Maybe something happens where, you know, Brock Purdy is not going to be protected and hidden anymore because there's some film. There's some tendencies. There's a reason why he was Mr. Irreverent. There's a reason why he was the what? It's the second to last pick in the draft is what he was. Is that correct? I think it was the very last. So, I mean, you know, congratulations. Uh, you know, uh, I think it's an awesome story. Whether or not this means that he is now like the guy that's going to make Trey Lance get kicked to the curb. I, I think we're way, way, way away from there. And I think that anyone that looks at the Niners and say like, oh, this is what Seattle should have been doing. I don't think they really trust what Pete and John have built over these last 13 years, and they don't understand how cyclical it is and how much difficult it is. As Ross said earlier, when you're drafting in the mid to high 20s for a decade, how much harder that is and how much, how more light, how, how likely it is that you're actually going to miss on those picks because. You're, you're picking between 20 guys that all probably grade out the same, and you can't definitively say for sure, yes, this guy is the best of the 20 people that I'm looking at right now. Any more, uh, any, any other ideas or topics about the 49ers before we, we uh, move on to some predictions? I, I hope we Green win. Vance. Oh, yeah, I hope we win too. That Trey Lance trade, man, just looks more and more bizarre. Like, what... Like, the team did really well with Garoppolo, and then, like, doesn't leave a... Doesn't really bat an eyelash so far with Purdy. That could change. It's it's early, but... Like, does Trey Lance automatically get his job back next season? How awkward is that? Awkward. How about this? How about this? Like, how about a weird scenario? How about Purdy... How about Purdy down the stretch? They're like from now they've got five more games, four more. Say they go like under Purdy, they go for four for five, and they go deep in the playoffs. Let's say they go to the Super Bowl and they lose the Super Bowl under Purdy, but Purdy's done all that. What do you do next year if you're them? Does Trey Lance get his job back? I think they have to. They they still they still gave up a 2023 first round pick for him. Like they gave up three first. Well, they gave us to three move up. I know, I know, but like, uh, how do you? I don't know. How, how do you take away? How do you take the keys away from the dude who takes you to the Super Bowl, for example? It's not weird. Weird. How do you say like actually Garoppolo got us to this stage as well, and now you get nothing for your free effort either. None, none, none of that matters, guys. Because again, like because of the sunk cost, which is like bad. I mean, Tony's a business major. Tony's still there. Tell him sunk cost doesn't matter. <laughs> Tony's um, saying, I hope so, because I have Lance everywhere in fantasy. My, my yeah, dynasty team yeah, needs him. So You also know, Tony, the sunk costs don't matter. Like, if Purdy's the guy who brings you to the Super Bowl, like, what do you... What, sorry, thanks, bye. What? No. I don't... I don't. Man, it's interesting. It's a good, it's a good problem to have, I guess, in a sense. I think you have to some way sort of admit that Trey Lance is a problem and that Tony's fantasy teams are all in trouble. And <laughs> just be like, that guy kind of sucks. And we made a mistake, and it's time to cut bait. And I hope that guy has a second life as a tight end somewhere. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think to, to put a ribbon on Trey Lance is you've had him in your system. You know what he's capable of. Flaws or not, 
you were the head coach, you were working with the GM when you selected him, you are only sticking to him because you believe he's the right guy. He's the guy that's going to lead you forward. It's why you allowed, almost allowed Jimmy Garoppolo to leave. It's why you gave up three round picks. You have to see it through until it's very clear. And right now it's not clear because Trey Lance has been injured. So that's, that's the thing. But you had last year to really try and test it out. I think you have to see it through. Um, and if you can't, then you're going to go down with the ship because one, either Lynch or Shanahan's going to get fired because if, if they don't pull the trigger when they need to, then that's what's going to end their career and their time in San Francisco before Trey Lance is. All right, let's get on to some predictions then. Uh, Zeb, I'm going to hit you up first. What is the final score for the 49ers at the Seahawks Thursday night? Seahawks 26, Niners 24. Ooh, that's a close game. That's just our average <laughs> per game scoring this year for both teams. Nice, nice. But uh, I think it makes sense. It does make sense. Ross, what's your prediction for the game? 28-27, Seahawks. You guys are picking like tight games. I I just I know head coaches in the NFL have a lot of ego hubris, if you will, where they can they think that they can be smarter than everyone else. The smart play is to run the ball. The Niners like to run the ball. If Shanahan tries to make it a game where they have to pass. It will be a mistake, and I don't think Shanahan's an idiot. He does. He has gone away from running the ball in that Super Bowl in particular. And that was when he was with the Falcons. But I don't think this is going to be a good game for Seattle. I think it's going to be very similar to the to our first game where it was like 21-7. I think we'll do a little bit better. I think it's going to be like 28-14 Niners. Not happy about that one, but it is what it is. Uh, second prediction, Zeb, over under one and a half injuries due to the short week. Uh, uh, under. Under. Damn it. <laughs> due to the short week? Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, it's going to be over. It's just that late of the season. People are beat up and they make mistakes. They get more hurt. Yeah, I, I'm going to also go over. I, I think that we're, what, week 15 into the year. There's a lot of opportunity for, for wear and tear and for injuries to pop up. I think that it's not a good time to be. Is Statistically, that, I feel like we're due for an injury to a tight end. I hope not. I mean, I don't feel like we're using the tight ends any much anymore because we, we don't run the ball. No, so we that, did, actually, last game quite a bit. There was three tight ends out there a lot last game. I feel like they weren't involved though, because they were they were blocking a lot and they were decoying <laughs> a lot, but they were there. A blocking for, yeah, blo blocking. Parkinson had a red zone red zone target. I think he only had one target, but yeah, I remember that. Um, Zeb over under two and a half players unable to play due to the short week. So we have. Guys that are still trying to come back from injury and illness, uh, do you think they're going to be two and a half players unable to play due to the short week because they just can't recover in time? Specifically for the Seahawks, not necessarily for the for the 49ers. 
Um, yeah, pr- probably. I'll say over. Ross, where where are you? Do you think we're going to miss out on guys because they just can't recover in time? Definitely. I th- I don't think... Well, I mean, it's kind of not fair. Like, um, DJ's got a high ankle sprain, so you wouldn't expect him back anyway after just two weeks. So I guess that guy doesn't count. Al Woods, if this was a longer week, he probably would play. That's one. Shelby Harris, he just had the flu, but apparently he's still sick. Uh, okay, two. Yeah, okay. Two. All right, Ross is going with under. I'm I'm going to go with over. I think this is another example why Thursday Night Football is bad for player safety. Uh, it just doesn't give players time to rest up. Like players, f- football is such a physical sport. You really need that recovery time, and to take three days away from players, that's just unfair to their bodies. It's not good for their health. So I, I think more. Um, Zeb over under 99 and a half complaints made during the game due to the short week. This is like personal. Like, are you going to be complaining 99 and a half times watching this game on Thursday night? Say like, Oh, if we were playing on Sunday, this would be a different game. I might, I might do that two or three times. So over. I no, no, I said the over under is 99 and a half. So you're going to, I know, I, I know I was just being ridiculous. Ross, what about you? Over. Over, you're going to complain about more than 100. Uh, I think I'm going to be over 100 because the first time someone, like, takes too long to get up from under the pile, like, that's it. I knew it. Thursday night, we're just screwed again. Thanks a lot, NFL. Roger Goodell screwing us over. So, yeah, I'm going to be very, very high up there. Zeb, our final prediction for the evening, over under one and a half turnos for Mr. Eugenio Smith. Under... Ross, how, what are you feeling? Oh, definitely under. It's going to be a mistake-free game. I think if Gino's shoulder is better, then I'm going to go with under as well. If he if he is still a little bit injured, then I am a little bit concerned because his ball definitely didn't look as good now that I think about it uh, than what we saw earlier in the week. And it wasn't just the Panthers jumping the routes that uh, didn't make him look good. And, uh, gentlemen, that's our show for the evening. Uh, final thoughts before we get to some shout-outs. I, I still... Richard... <laughs> go, go, ahead. go ahead. Please, go ahead. I just, I still believe that this team has a shot to uh, close out the season on a, on a winning note, whether it's playoffs or not. I think there's a, a lot of room for uh, optimism about the future. Quick mini-prediction. The last four games, how many do we win? We're playing Two. 49ers, Chiefs, Jets, and then Rams. Jets, renewed Jets team, and then the, and then the Rams. We can go two and two, I think. Two and two, Sammy. I'm one and three. Just the Rams. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm. I think with Zeb, I think I'm two and two, but I can see three and one. I I can't say who I think we're going to beat. I mean, I think it, it could go any way on all these. Bird, bird, okay. birds with me. He says one and three. Wow. Okay. And it, and it's and, and I want to make it clear. It's not that I don't believe in the team. I just think that, you know, we're flawed for this year. And I think we, we know what our issues is. We know where we need to get better. And I think that's where the draft and free agency and retaining the right guys is going to make it so that, yeah, we can 
this is a team that I'm excited for for 2023. There's so many things to be excited for. I'm not down on this team at all. I just think that, you know, we have a really, really big inefficiency to exploit. And I think, you know, a smart team will take care of that. I think I'm excited for like 2024, to be honest. Oh, I mean, yeah, I'm always excited for football, but I think just in general, like the, <laughs> no, but I mean, the, like, the more foundation of what we're doing, because 2024, we might have a new quarterback, and I think that could be really exciting too. I'm just saying, like, everybody earlier this year when we were on a run, we were like, wow, this is like 2012, maybe the next, you know, I don't think so. Like, I think... I think next year is our 2012. <laughs> it definitely, it definitely lost year. that 2012 <laughs> feeling as of yeah. late. We could be. We're definitely not trending. I don't feel like this team is like making a definite statement and progressing in a certain direction at this point. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, we could be that 2000. This could be our 2010 year. You know, Gino is yeah. our Matt Hasselbeck and Clipboard Jesus all wrapped into one, and then next year will be our, you know, 2011 season where our defense is a lot better, but we just. You know the offense wasn't good, and then 2012, we just get a quarterback, and the defense just clicks. That could that could definitely it, it, happen. It could be our 1978 season where we, <laughs> you know, we think we're pretty good, but then like next year we think we're pretty good, but then it never really goes anywhere. But we've got an interesting story at quarterback and a couple of good receivers. Yeah, uh, I was negative. Yeah, 1978. Negative three at the time. Uh, last thing I want to point out to everybody is Richard Sherman is going to be uh, on Brock and Salk at 8.30 in the morning, I guess, for your Wednesday. Yeah, for your Wednesday. Uh, he has not been on the show since his rookie year. And Salk has actually you know, called him out over the years for a few things. And um, um, I think that could be worth uh, a listen to if you happen to be available. Uh, 8.30 a.m. tomorrow morning for you guys. Catch that. Nice. We if you don't it live, we, obviously they 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 show they replay their show or it's available as a as a podcast on their app. Yeah, I listen to it as a podcast now and again. Look forward to the highlights, the cliff notes, if you will. I'm kind of stoked. He actually, they're trying to get uh, Mike Salk wants to bring in Doug Baldwin as well. Like you know, they've 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 not always gotten along, and uh, Mike Salk's had some things to say, but uh, I, he's he's actually gained a lot, you know, with Russ being gone, and a few people saying some few things, and KJ joining the show, and uh, kind of shining a light on behind the scenes things, I think Mike Salk has actually kind of learned some things, and uh, yeah, he was always on Russ's side, uh, but has learned some things, like, not that he's not, you know, doesn't, not that he suddenly thinks Russ is the devil, but more perspectives kind of got more of what the more of what some people were trying to say and uh i think it'd be really cool if mike salt could uh get doug baldwin on as well eventually so i think richard sherman's like the first step in that i'm looking forward to it interesting all right yeah and that's it all right gentlemen time for some shout outs shout out to tony our faithful listener shout out to uh, to all you guys you all you all of all of the people that make this happen shout out to all of you Shout out to everybody who made their fantasy football playoffs, and my condolences to those who didn't. I split my leagues this year, half in, half out. I went one. Shout for out three. to you guys. Well, I went one for three in fantasy playoffs. Fantasy football has been over since September. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Tony. 
shout out to bird uh shout out to ross and zeb who are instrumental to this podcast it's always fun it's always great to talk about the seahawks we are the hawkscast.net podcast please check us out on twitter at seahawks podcast seahawks forum we are really excited for this game even though i'm not predicting a win i'm going to be glued to the tv it's going to be a lot of fun i'm so excited we wish you all a go hawks El Hawks. Broncos country keeps crashing. Is that bitch?